Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. I am ready to begin. I am ready to begin. Okay. Episode 255 of the flagship podcast. This is 20 Minute Tims. I'm your host, Jamie, and I am joined by Stephen. Good to be here. And Martin Melly. Yes. And there's only one there's only one thing worth talking about. Um absolutely tired of sugarcoating it. Tired of mm. gaslighting myself into thinking on our day we can do this. We've still got the better players. We are maybe still the better team. We've just had a bad it's all rubbish. Stephen, Rangers are the better team, full stop. Rangers are better than Celtic. That's that's what yesterday taught me. No more excuses, nothing. Rangers are better than us. Yeah, like that bit in Ace Ventura too. He much better fighter than you. Yeah, no shit. No, yeah. Absolutely no shit. Yeah, yes, we've realised this uh, quite some time ago, but it was it was delivered once again in brutal fashion. Anytime we are even remotely positive about the team, we are reminded of exactly what it's made of almost immediately. For anyone who tuned into our kind of build-up broadcast before the game, the live preview show, you can go watch it. It's on YouTube. Yeah, it's on, yeah, YouTube it's on YouTube. YouTube now, it goes yeah. on YouTube for free for everyone that wants to watch it after the game. Yeah, of course. Um, you would have seen us being relatively positive about it. What I've thought since is, what is that based on? Is that is it just is it are we just deluding ourselves? Are we just are we just conditioned into pretending that we are the best team? We've got the best players. We've got a really good coach and all that stuff. Because I know we've been relatively positive about John Kennedy recently as well but you come away from that game and you think this is it's just nothing they're just such a nothing team and I know that the season has gone the way it has gone and there's not really much we can do about it but what we said on that show was that this was the, the last chance to turn up in a big game a game that meant something they've not done it in a single game this season no, not, not once no have Celtic turned up in any game that meant anything at all this season and that was just another one. And I don't know why we're surprised at this point, to be totally honest, because that's what we've been facing all season. I don't, I, I frankly don't know why we're surprised anymore. Melly, I mean, if you're listening to this and you're thinking to yourself, oh, a, a lot of crap, you know, Celtic had an off day. What, all we needed was blah, blah, blah. We needed to take our chances. I don't see it that way at all. Do you see it that way? No, I don't, because this is what we've been served up all season. We've seen it. That's now four games against Rangers. And really, have we come close to beating them? When was the last time we beat them? It would have been the League Cup final. League Cup final, what, 18 oh, yeah. months ago yeah. or something like that? A long time ago now. But looking at the, the game yesterday, again, 
the same as the season. Celtic got what they deserved. Absolutely nothing because they're not good enough. We've sat on here plenty of times. Slayton, Neil Lennon, Slayton, the, ma the management and the coaching staff we've slated, the board and the scouting team. Well, today I'm putting it fully on the players because that out there yesterday was completely unacceptable from players. Players just, again, not showing up in Celtic's big games. And as you said, Jamie, I was thinking about this a lot today. We've been sort of saying, oh, maybe, look, we've still got the better players. We've got a team full of winners. We've got the better squad, maybe, but they're just a better team. And look, we've just been kidding ourselves on. We've been kidding ourselves on. They've got a better goalkeeper than us. They've got two better fullbacks than us. And they've got their captain didn't even play yesterday, who might get player of the year. They've got centre-halves who are a better partnership than us into their midfield much better than ours yesterday, or even if they're not better, much more effective. They've actual wingers that are good players. We don't have any. And up front, maybe Morelos over Edward, but after Edward's performance yesterday, I don't really want to hear from it. And again, if you're looking at, they've got better players in better positions, they're better coached, and also look at the two benches. Rangers had options on their bench and Celtic had absolutely none. So you're right, Jamie, Rangers are a better team. As much as it pains me to say, they are a better team and it's about time we realised and do something about it because it's unacceptable that Celtic have went from where we were to this right now. Stephen, you says, you know, how, how did we not notice? And the reason we didn't notice is because it's been the, the frog boiling in the pot. It's been gradual. It's been yeah. chipping away at quality. And then this season, it, it's been a dramatic decline. It's sort of, you know, it's been tailing off and tailing off and tailing off. And then at some point this season, probably around November time, when the league was lost, I think the players have just chucked it. And, and what I want to do is something we don't really do on this pod, but I'm going to run through every player's performance here in this game, because I believe you as well, Melly. The manager can only do so much. Now, we played the diamond yesterday. The reason we play this diamond is because we've been forced to play it, I think, because we don't have wingers. And the reason we don't yeah. have wingers mm. is because we didn't go out and buy the manager wingers. James Forrest has been injured through two transfer windows and we've no bothered replacing him. This is only a handful of seasons on. If Brendan Rodgers says, I've got a million wingers, I don't need any more. What the, what's going on with the recruitment? We've been hamstrung into playing this formation. And it was obvious yesterday watching this game. I was saying in our Discord... I, I looked back, it was well within the first half. We were getting absolutely slaughtered in the pockets that Joe Rebo and Kent was playing. And Joe Rebo was getting on the ball so much, so early. I, I wrote in the Discord, Joe Rebo's going to be man of the match. Look how much he's getting on the ball. And he was man of the... It was plain to see. But the problem is, you look at our bench and there was no way we could change it. And just another thing, looking at Celtic's team, and as you say, Jamie, chipping away, chipping away at the quality... We've been saying it a couple of times, I remember you saying it, this is a team full of winners, team full of winners, how's it got to this? But then I was looking at the team yesterday, two fullbacks on loan, they're no winners, Scott Bain's no a winner, Stephen Welsh is no a winner, into the midfield, Scott Brown, McGregor, fine, Christy, aye, but where's the rest of them? Because looking at that, David Turnbull just joined the club, Moel Yunusi, not a winner. Where where is all the quality gone? Where have all mm. the winners gone? We have chipped away at it and this is what we get, this is what we're left with. Jamie, something you you just said there about replacing James Forrest. I've had two windows to do it because James Forrest has been missing for the majority of this season and was unfortunately September. missing again for this one. The thing is, even that is reactive because the, see, instead of having two transfer windows to replace James Forrest, who is clearly injured and is going to be long term, do it before he's injured. Have some competition for him yeah. in the first place, right. and we'll no need going desperately. Just like we've done with the two fullback positions, brought in two panic loans 
to cover positions that we don't have because we've got rid of two players who could have played it, Bowling Goalie and Frimpong. Just like that, we might not have been scrabbling around, scrabbling around, looking for panic signings to, to come in and replace James Forrest. Have some competition for him in the first place, which we absolutely categorically do not have. So, no, that, I mean, that's that's almost giving Celtic too much credit. They deserve less than that for not being proactive in the first place to try and bring someone in who wouldn't have forced us to be playing a diamond. And he's, I mean, we can talk about the merits of each formation and all that, but the fact is, whether it's an effective one or not, it was almost forced upon us to play a diamond in this game because we had very few options. We don't have anyone in the wings, as as you say. And as soon as James Forrest is injured, then everything goes into disarray. Even though he's not been available most of the season, it just it forces entire wholesale changes. And we the can't same with the, any position, isn't it? One injury. Ah, yeah, that's done. it. That's it. And as you say, Stephen, we we're hamstrung into playing this formation, and it almost played directly into Rangers' hands. So. You know, you're you're, look, you're looking through the team, and almost every Celtic player just says no. They're just nowhere near good enough. Scott Bain is just not good enough. You, from Fraser Foster to Scott Bain, are you see? Are you seriously yeah. looking at that? Going okay, and this goes back to January as well. And we made the point in January where we were, in theory, still in the title race in January. The board and the club were telling the fans we think we can get back in this, but they didn't go out and do anything about it. They didn't go out and recruit. They didn't do it that made them look as if they're they trying to get of, back into a title race. They got rid of three players that arguably, well, they had Frimpong, El Hamed and Encham all left and only one replacement came in. So they all three guys had contributed to Celtic pre-January and then they went and were led to believe that the board believed we could still get in this title race. It's absolutely nonsense. So we let go three first-team players brought in one and didn't improve the squad in the slightest, despite every season being told we like to go into every window and come out at stronger. Nonsense. And then and then you're looking through you're looking through the rest of the team. The full backs, nowhere near good enough. Oh, we'll talk about we'll talk about them oh, in more we'll detail that, in a minute. Yeah. yeah, John Joe but Rangers just let John Joe Kenny have the ball because he knew he was pish. Christopher Ayer <laughs> Christopher Ayer's our best player the majority of the time. It's 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 a tough it's a tough call. There's a few of them you could pick. Stephen Welsh, right? I understand the predicament Stephen Welsh is in. He's a young player, he's learning, but he just get given a new contract and he misses a shot for about four yards out. You're at Celtic, it's a Glasgow Derby, it's the cup. You don't miss that. You don't miss it. it you, there's no excuse for missing it. Scott Brown, we, we know what Scott Brown is. Is there any... He's done. I mean, he's, he's done, but again, he's he was busting his ass out there, but he was hamstrung by the setup. but he was just no helped. David Turnbull... Okay, but, but I can't really think anything David Turnbull did of note, and people might think I'm being harsh, but as I say, we used to we used to murder Rangers. So you, you can't go into these games and come out and do nothing and get a free pass like Ryan Christie. He's not kicked a ball against Rangers in how long? Nah, I don't think he ever has. Elian say McGregor lacks out Jesus, and then Edward. We'll talk about him, but am I being am I being harsh here? But there's nah. so many really really poor performances throughout that whole lineup. Nobody gets away from it. I saw people blaming La um, Ayer for the first goal, but that was the setup because Laxalt missed a tackle. That shouldn't result in a clear chance on goal. One guy missing a tackle for 40 or 50 yards out. It's it was just a mess. Yeah, I think that was the second goal, but what you're saying is right? true. The, the way Celtic set up, uh, like whatever, but when you look at it player for player now, Rangers are stronger in every sense because you're looking at nah. the two fullbacks. We spoke, me and Ryan spoke about it earlier in the season. Rangers fullbacks had contributed 40 odd goals to Rangers and assists or goals. Celtic had contributed three or something like that, something pathetic like that. And then you're going through the team. 
Rangers midfield of Arfield, Kamara and Davis cost 50 grand between them. Far more effective than Celtic's midfield. Far, far more effective. And as you said, Jamie, Rangers' two wide players, Aribo and Kent, had the freedom of the pitch. They just kept kicking up, picking up the ball and going inside and they had the run at Celtic every time. And Celtic were terrified. Rangers knew exactly what they were doing. They had a clear plan when Celtic were playing that diamond was they let Celtic just get it out wide to the fullbacks and they know Celtic's fullbacks can't take on a man, can't pick out a forward pass, so they just let them play it back inside and just cut off the space for them, let them play it out to the fullbacks again. The amount of times that Laxalt or Kenny picked up the ball out wide and just passed it back inside to the centre half. As you said, Jamie, this is a Glasgow derby. You need to be brave. You need to take the ball on. You need to take responsibility. And those two fullbacks took absolutely no responsibility. The, the Both of them caused each of the goals as well. But going forward, they were absolutely shocking. And I'd put John Joe Kenny up there with Jeremy Tolian and some of the worst right-backs I've seen at Celtic. He's absolutely pathetic. And I think that's about three goals he's cost us in these games as well. Shambles. John Joe Kenny attempted five offensive duels, right? Successfully completed zero. He attempted <laughs> six crosses and successfully completed one. I can't remember the one cross wow. that, he, that he successfully completed. Laxalt didn't get a cross in. Greg Taylor got one cross in. Um, he won. Greg Taylor won two offensive duels over the 90 minutes and Laxalt won zero offensive duels over the 90 minutes. It was uh, uh, from our... From our Fullbacks, it was a shambolic performance, Stephen. These fullbacks are among the worst I've seen at Celtic ever, really. I, yeah. I know that might seem hyperbolic and people will say, oh, remember the 90s and all that kind of stuff. But this is our first trophy of the season for 10 years. And I don't think it's any coincidence that we're going back to Tony Mowbray's team for, mm. to, to find poorer fullbacks than this. We're going back to guys like Braffied and Danny Fox and, and things like that, right? But the problem, the thing about those were... Th those guys came in, were terrible, and in Fox's case, was moved on pretty quickly. Braffied was just a disaster. He had a big reputation, but th these guys are all we've got. And for some reason, Celtic, the, the most resourced and richest club in the country, have ended up with two guys at fullback who probably aren't in the top five fullbacks in the country. Now, see, if you were making the top five fullbacks in Scotland, I don't think we'd get a single guy into it. And that makes him mental as well. But that's because we're too used to looking at Celtic as if they're the best at everything. Rangers have got three better than them for a start. Like, they've got two right backs and a left back who are definitely better than anything we've got put together. Stephen O'Donnell, I would be totally against Celtic signing, but he's better than John Joe Kenny. He's 100% better than John Joe Kenny. What, the, what we're getting from these, these guys is completely unacceptable. Even when Greg Taylor came on, and I think there's a case to be made for taking both of them off at halftime. In an ideal world, just take just ship both fullbacks off at halftime. But when he came on, the amount of times that it seemed like he tried to go forward would fail to get past a guy. It would bobble between two players and he would end up just going back the way and passing it back to either a centre half or the keeper. It was just astounding to yeah. me. We can, we've got fullbacks who cannot progress up the pitch at all. And honestly, in modern football, that is criminal. From a, John Joe a team Kenny, Celtic. John Joe Kenny passed the ball seventeen times to Stephen Welsh. Um, that is the most frequent pass combination out with the centre mm. halves who passed a lot to John Joe Kenny, obviously, in between themselves. But just sticking our, our number on it doesn't tell the whole story. So, for example, no player out with the centre halves passed the ball to any other outfield player more than eight times or ten times. I'm looking at the graph just now. So John Joe Kenny's persistently just passing into Stephen Welsh, passing into Stephen Welsh and getting it back. It's It was a nothing performance for John Joe Kenny. And compare that to, I don't know, 
I, I, I'm, I, you know, I'm really, really trying not to get the scattergun out here. But if you're honestly telling me that Anthony Ralston is a worse player than John Joe Kenny, then Anthony Ralston may as well go take up, I don't know, horse husbandry or <laughs> dog training or, I don't know, breeding rabbits or something because he's never going to make it as a footballer. Because I could go on and do what John Joe Kenny done, which was get, receive the ball off my centre half, look up the park, shite myself, and then give it back to my centre half. The, it, right. was a, it was a nothing performance. Well, see, on John Joe Kenny, I'm immediately reminded once again of the Frimpong situation. Now, I've made the point before that when Frimpong left, everyone was like, oh, it's brilliant, 11 million quid. Oh, you know, the, the guys who are mad for this, the, the balance sheet, you know, whenever mm. Celtic bring in money, people are like, oh, it's brilliant, great business. But see, when you take an £11 million and hamper your team to the point of complete dysfunctionality, what's that worth? Why why is £11 million better than having a good player? And I understand, right, that... Yeah, well, I understand that Frimpong wanted to go and, you know, money, whatever, right? But, again, I'm reminded when, when Kenny came in, Neil Lennon was forced to go out there and pretend that he wanted to sign him all along. He's a guy we've been looking at for a while. He's a guy whose attributes we really like. Which ones? Which attributes? Because he can't do... I have a little bit of sympathy with John Joe Kenny being dropped into the middle of this and being expected. It was a panic signing, right? It just became available and Celtic snapped him up because they sold a guy who was a good player despite whatever they thought. Again, careful what you wish for when chasing these guys at the door. He was brought in as a total panic buy and it just hasn't worked out right I have a little bit of sympathy with that but what was it about him that made Celtic go and get him there's nothing he was and just he available and same with Shane Duffy him. same way a Yeti they've just picked up a load of players who happened to be available at the time and it is absolutely dismal way to go about your recruitment the thing the thing about Frimpong leaving as well is that's fine that's that's the whole way it's meant to work isn't it you bring in a player sell him on and bring in a replacement but we don't we go out and get a loan signing the same way like Tierney we're on a loan signing at left back so we're in we're getting ourselves into these situations we've been doing it for season after season now since like Rogers for third season where oh no, oh no, we'll just get in a loan signing here, a loan signing there. And this is what you're left with. We're left with the, the dying embers of the, the Rogers team and they're just no good enough anymore. They're no good enough. And we've seen this time after time. Celtic, this was always coming. And it's now got to the point you're thinking, see the guys we've got left? They're just no good enough anymore. And you know what? I don't think they would be bored if all of them left. But again, Stephen, you used to say about Neil Lennon, Celtic's biggest problem is football that exists out with Celtic. And, and and this is and we're guilty of it now. We're watching substandard players come in to replace good players, and we think, oh, well, you know, he's probably going to. Sit. There's like a degree of trust we have with Celtic that that, that oh, they're going to do the right thing. Oh, John Joe Kenny coming in forever, and he's he's right. And then even, I mean, I I did say I, I did say I thought we could beat Rangers. I did say I thought we could beat them. I thought we'd go on and win three 0 against them. Even when the lineup came out. Because I still had this residual belief that Celtic could do something. I was giving John Kennedy credit. I did sort of caveat to say though, the teams he's beaten is, you know, he's beaten nobody really. He beat Livingston and Falkirk. Mm. Anytime he's came up against someone difficult. But Rangers actually bossed us there. And another player that I want to talk about, because we've absolutely slaughtered John Joe Kenny and he deserves it. And, you know, copy and paste that for Diego Laxalt as far as I'm concerned. Um, Odson Edward, I am finished with Edward. Now, it's... Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to say something here that's going to go against the grain for me, right? But Odson Edward in that game, see that flick, see that flick he tried instead of just sticking it in the back of the net. You you score that, 
Yep. You score that goal. You make sure it's in the back of the net. You don't try the flick for you. You think to your head, my team are getting pumped here. We try to, we're trying to rescue something. I'm going to make sure this goes in the back of the net. And I'll tell you something, Nodson Edward does have the ability to make sure that ball goes in the back of the net. I don't know. We've got a podcast coming out as part of Project Rebuild with um, a sports psychologist. And he goes into how some players are affected by lockdown. And not to give away too many spoilers, but he profiles psychologically certain types of player and, you know, let's call them player type A, suffers from lockdown because they like to perform. They like to be the centre of attention. They like to be shown in front of the crowd and that's what they need to stimulate a good performance out of them. So charitably, you could say, Odds and Edwards doing these things because just playing football games in front of an empty state doesn't they stimulate him and doesn't enthuse him enough so he's trying that flick. I don't care. That ball goes in the back of the net. The free kick, we've got David Turnbull, who's great on free kicks, Lee Griffiths, I think, was on the field at that that time, who can hit a free kick, and I'm going to talk about Lee Griffiths in a minute. Before he hit the free kick, I said to myself, he's going to hit this off the wall when it came off the wall. You test the keeper with that, the penalty. Lee Griffiths wants to take the penalty. He was filled for it. Odson says, I'm on them. Didn't even force Alan McGregor to make a save. The penalty was pish. It was pish. You make sure that either goes in the back of the net, or you make sure you make Alan McGregor pull a wonder save off. Odson Edward was abysmal yesterday, and... I'm now in the camp where Lee Griffiths is, you know, he's no professional. He never turned up for the season. He could have helped us out a million times, right? But see when he's on the pitch, see when he's in the box, he's got good technique. And Lee Griffiths would have probably scored the penalty, would have got the, sh the free kick on target, and he definitely would have finished that shot. So I I'm happy for Rodson Edward to just play for the France under whatever he's playing for for the rest of the season, if that's what stimulates him, if that's what's going to get him his move, and just play Lee Griffiths up front for Celtic, because Lee Griffiths would have scored two out of three of those chances. No, I, I don't agree with that, to be honest. Lee Griffiths has let Celtic down far too many times. Would have scored those chances, 100%. He had, one, though, he's he had one, a very similar one, where he chested it down and levelled it over from yeah. three yards. There's been a lot of... Lee Griffiths has... I'm not saying this is what you're doing, but a lot of people... He's become prime... Ronaldo Nazario just because Odds and Edward missed a penalty. Griffiths, like, Griffiths is a waster. Uh, I'm sick of sugarcoating that as well. But Lee Griffiths has missed plenty of penalties for Celtic as well. So I don't Smash really three kicks off the wall see, plenty see if things. he's see if he's aye, aye, he does that a lot. See if he's coming up and trying to take the penalty off the agreed taker. He can stick that up his ass as well. Griffiths, like, I'm not. I've not got any. I've not got any time for that. Don't get yourself involved if you've got an agreed taker. Don't you come on and try and be the hero just because I mean, you were fouled for it. He didn't get well. He just sort of said to Edward, can I hit it? And Edward went, no, yeah. he walked away. It's not like he was arguing with him on the pitch or nothing. Yeah, well, that, that's fair enough. But he shouldn't be getting involved in that. I've, I've not got any time for the, the Griffiths would have done this or Griffiths would have done that stuff. I, to be honest, I don't, I don't have any belief in Lee Griffiths because we don't, don't have anything to go on to this point in the season. He's not turned up. So I, I don't... How he bad was that the penalty, penalty though? How nah, bad was terrible. that flick? I mean, forget the penalty, right? Okay, for just now. How bad was that flick? What is he trying there? You need see, to score that. See, at first, when I saw that, and Alan McCoy was talking a lot about it in commentary, I initially thought, right, they're overanalyzing that because these things are a quarter of a second at most decisions. Sometimes the ball just comes to you and you just, you don't even think about it. It's just instinct. But then I saw it back and I thought, oh no, wait a minute. He did have time to do something he with did. that. He could have turned his hip over that and put got a proper contact with that. So no, I'm, that was d deeply unimpressive from Edward as well. It, he might have thought, and he said that that was the best chance of getting the ball over the line. We'll never know now, but it's mm. it, it, it was the wrong decision. There's been quite a lot of them 
recently from Edward. Completely forgot existed. So I don't care if it's Ajeti or or, or um, Edward or Ajeti or Griffiths, but I'm finished with Edward now. I'm, I'm well, just it, done well. I'm reminded as well of the time of the contentious penalty incident in the last game between the two. That would never have happened if Watson Edward has just had just stuck his head down and put the ball in it. But instead he turned in. So there seems to be a kind of bizarre decision making. See, see be honest, Watson Edward did create a absolutely golden opportunity for a Yeti shortly, um, so, sorry, for El Yunusi shortly after that or before that, I can't remember. So he was contributing something, but he should have scored and he should have absolutely buried the penalty. I know it's dead easy to say that. We've had players let us down with penalties before. It's nothing new. But when I mean, given an opportunity like that, when we say he should have at least McGregor should have had to work for the save. It was a poor, poor penalty. Nah, it was, he I, didn't it even was, wait to McGregor. It was just a poor penalty, Melly. It was poor, and Odson Edward was really poor yesterday. I thought the chances because he is so good, you think he has to bury them. But at the end of the day, he's the best striker at the club. He's been available most of the season. He turns up every week. He's not been good this season, but who has? He's playing poor in a team that is absolutely done, absolutely done, and it's been done no, for months. Minute, but the but thing is, yesterday's mate, performance was poor. But you're just you can't kind of just turn on a guy because he had one terrible performance. He missed a couple of chances. He's bailed Celtic out so many times over the years he's been here. He's been a great player. Celtic have been crap all season. Terrible all season. It's fed into every player and Odds and Edwards, one of them. Yesterday, yes, unacceptable. To say you're done with him over that is it's no for me. We to can, we, aye, but wait, hold on a minute. If you don't want to, if you're talking about throwing out the baby with the bathwater here, look at the Celtic performance. Celtic lost the game, but they still created enough chances to get themselves back in it. Those chances fell to Edward and they couldn't stick them in the back of the net. So well, it's not like Edward, the best chance of the game as well, but Stephen like Welsh had a great chance. It's not like Edward can stand there and go, well, I'm not getting the chances. We're, what I'm saying is, Odson, we're crap, right? We're struggling here. We're giving you chances and you're fluffing them. And you're not fluffing them because they're difficult chances. You're fluffing them because you're not trying. You're trying to reflex. You're not making the penalties count. You're taking. You're not taking your time over free kicks. You, that's what hard work is. Odson Edward needs to go, right, my team are toiling. Anything they give me, I need to make sure it goes in the back of the net. And he's not doing that. He looks like a guy that's understimulated. He looks like a guy that's bored. He looks like a guy that's like, oh, well, why? It's a bit... You know, that that's in these games, these games are here to be won. We just sort of accept losing them, but those games are there to be won. And when you don't win them, you need to look at people and go, what was that shit? And that's yeah, what I'm saying to Hudson That's fine, and it was shit, but at the same time, Celtic have been terrible all season, so that feeds into a player's mentality, feeds into a player's confidence. Odson Edward of last season buries those chances, doesn't he? But again, the team are down in confidence, they've been down. Odson Edward hasn't scored for a couple of games, maybe that's playing on his mind. These things happen, but the point of it, the other point of it is Edward was poor Elianusi should have buried that I'd say that's the best chance out of them all Stephen Welsh as well I think that's a better chance Celtic had chances but all these chances come after Celtic have either been a goal down or two goals down as well as soon as that second goal went in it was what 34 minutes I thought Celtic aren't going to win this game because there's absolutely no way we're going to score three without letting in a goal no. so you, can, you can't pin it on Edward this is a whole team thing and it's not just yesterday this is a whole season thing as well yesterday was unacceptable but the whole season feeds into that and Celtic got what they deserved Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments 
Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Let's talk about that first goal, Stephen. 36, 37-year-old Stephen Javis scoring an overhead kick in the box against us. It's far too easy. It's one of the ones where you're looking at the defence again, all sixes and sevens from a a sclaff shot from a rebo, I think. A deflected shot anyway. Sixes and sevens, to be clear, that's not the ratings we're giving them. Those are firmly twos and threes we're giving them, but yeah, they were at sixes and sevens. Stephen Davis scoring an overhead kick from point-blank range Basically yep. unmarked as well, so it was mm-hmm. already past Scott Bain before he made a kind of half-hearted attempt to just stick his arm up and get it, but it broke down long before that point. Scott Brown totally skinned in the middle of the park. That has become memed now. That that was probably worse than Shane Duffy's one against Sparta Prague. Now that, that one where he's going completely the opposite direction to the ball. Scott Brown is now immortalised in meme form for that. Welsh steps out, absolutely puts Kent up in the air. Good, but really the job wasn't done from there. The ref mm. uh, gives the advantage. And from that point, again, it's all about the fullbacks and the, the fullbacks just don't do anything. Aribo just basically gets the freedom to do whatever he wants, just walks us into the box and gets a shot. I, admittedly, it takes an unfortunate deflection. Ayer doesn't really get enough on it. And there's Davis to <laughs> acrobatically finish. Completely unmarked. Scott Brown, after being skinned, the on base of the halfway line comes back, plays Davis onside, but doesn't get anywhere near him, and it's a goal. Everyone kind of meekly claims for offside, but not really. I don't. It, nobody can even muster up the energy to claim for offside. They just sort no. of accept it and and move on. Yeah, it's uh, not the greatest of starts. Even before Scott Brown get absolutely roasted by Kent, Cal McGregor loses the ball, and nah, Diego yeah. Laxalt's up alongside him, but. Again, Celtic Rangers just break right through the middle of us. All it takes is two passes and they're into our box. And watching it back as well, it goes out to Aribo on the left. So you look, where's our left back? Yes, Laxalt was breaking up to try and get forward. But his attempt to run back is absolutely pathetic. A pathetic attempt. Then he gets back into the box and flings his arm up as if it's everybody else's fault. It's poor again from Celtic. And we've seen it so (laughs) many times this season. You're being so charitable there to say Laxalt got back into the box. By the time the ball's in the back of the net, because I spotted that as well. By the time the ball's in the back of the net, 
Laxalt has one foot in the penalty area. That, still in the box, mate. Still in the box. Still in the box. It counts, you know. I'm just I'm, it, so he's, he, he made it by the skinny his teeth. It's just Rangers get that overload as you say in the left, and then Celtic just break into panic. But when the goal goes in, you're looking at John Joe Kenny. Stephen Davis runs in front of him, runs across yeah. him and into a space behind him. So I don't know if John Joe Kenny's trying to hold the line or whatever, but he completely loses track of Davis. But the shot itself is right at Scott Bain. The shot itself. It's, Scott Bain doesn't really make any sort of attempt to save it. He's, he's not coming out and claiming that as his own. It was just so pathetic and meek by the ball. I've got a question for you, though. Stephen Davis is not the only Rangers player in his late 30s to score an overhead kick against us. Uh, Eheog, yeah, I was Aye. at that game. I remember it well, yeah. Eheog was, I think he was 35 at that time. Mm. And he scored an overhead kick and against... Was that Neil Lennon's Celtic team? Must have been 2007 ish. So it must have been striking then. Sorry. Must have been striking at that time. Um, but yeah, absolutely pathetic for Celtic, pathetic from the defence, all sixes and sevens. And and that was just indicative, that play, that overload that they got in our left fullback area was just exactly how they played the game all afternoon. It was plain to see. Does it even count as an overload if we don't have a left fullback? Is that just a load? Is it just simply the presence of a player there? negates the fact that we don't have or negates the fact that we've got fullbacks at all you don't really need to work all that hard for it if we've if we're turning in these fullback performances you're right Stephen I don't know I would need to ask we need to actually ask a football coach if it's considered an overload because can you overload nothing we might have to ask someone (laughs) we might have to ask a physics professor if you can overload on zero um but the good thing is yeah John Joe I'm, I'm pinning that one on John Joe Kenny really it's Scott Brown tracks Davis by looking over his shoulder but John Joe Kenny has a full view of everything. So uh, he's it's not like he's trying to hold the line or play offside. He can see what's happening in front of him. He's just plainly ball watching. Yes. And it's an, uh, it's, a, it's an appalling bit of defending. And from that point on, I thought, well, we need to keep the heat here. Because the one thing that Celtic team don't really have is any courage or any steel or any metal about them to come back from an upset. And we kind of got back into the game a wee bit, but it was like I had—I was trying to keep the spirits up, but I honestly had no faith that Celtic could come back at all. Now, well, what I thought when we went two 0 down, my initial thought was, well, here it comes. Here's the doing we've been mm-hmm. basically yeah. hoping to avoid all season. This is the time they're going to truly go out and just absolutely drill this Celtic team. And to be honest, it probably would have deserved it because it would have really just put a bow on this absolutely lamentable season if we'd finally just shipped an absolute tanking to Rangers. Not that I was hoping for it, but I just thought, right, well, I've got no faith in them coming back to this. What I said before the game is that there's no chance of us putting about three or four goals past this Rangers team. That yeah. No one does that. No one really scores a lot of goals against this team, as we've seen throughout the season. They're a team that's set up to not really be on the end or really be on the risk of taking a tanking. So to go... 1-0 down so early on I thought oh, this Celtic team I've got nothing about them whatsoever there's no way we're coming back into this and at no point even late on even when Celtic were having chances did I think oh this is it we're on the, on the verge here guys we're, we're going to get back in here it just my confidence in the team is completely broken now and yeah. I, I just don't see I, I just don't have any I don't have any faith whatsoever that they can turn these games around at it's all the- it's the mentality of our team has been sucked dry. That Rangers team, right? Uh, just They just turn up and they play with so much confidence. That boy, Nathan Patterson, just uh, streaming up and doing that wing, had a great game, 
but it's just they've got so much confidence. Ryan Kent was a joke figure a couple of seasons ago. Now, Ryan Kent's turned into a, a, a pretty dangerous player. We found ourselves in a position where Scott Brown had the job of marking Ryan Kent, probably because we know their option, but obviously there's only one winner there based purely on the fact that Ryan Kent is good with the ball at his feet and he's, he's got a great turn of pace. He's pretty dynamite over like short, short spaces. One thing that, that stuck out to me and it was really annoying to me, Melly, when I was watching the game was Borna Barisic, Glenn Kamara, Joe Aribo. Three really important players for Rangers. Three players that played really well on the day. Three players that Celtic decided not to sign. Yeah, we, no, that's we, turned down, we turned down Joe Aribo. We turned down Glenn Kamara. And we turned down Borna Barisic. Mystifying. Absolutely mystifying. Uh, that Joe Aribo was... Remember the leaked uh, transfer thing? From Celtic, oh, the transfer right. targets. Joe Rebo's name thumb, was on that. Remember that? There was somebody's thumbnail. Somebody's weird we were thumb, all speculating. Eh? <laughs> it's like, it was like Line of Duty. Uh, it was one of those <laughs> cliffhangers at the end of Line of Duty. Everyone saw this thumbnail and were trying to guess who it was. You tell me Joe Rebo couldn't get in the Celtic team. Are you kidding? He'd stroll no. it. Uh, no, no, no. I know that. And yes, he would. He'd easily get in. But Celtic were Sorry, in... though, we've got Rogic. Exactly. <laughs> Celtic were in stronger positions when we went for these guys. But if we, what we've done is we sold the good ones... And then we're just left with what's left instead of replacing them. So this is what happens. And look, Celtic, the recruitment's been poor all over for years and years now, season after season. And this is always going to happen. That midfield cost Rangers basically nothing. And they absolutely dominated Celtic. Rangers midfield, in fact, didn't really need to play that well. I don't think Rangers were brilliant. They weren't brilliant. They just yeah. knew exactly what they were doing. And Celtic gifted them the goals. Celtic's midfield has been crying out for something new for years, but we've still got Scott Brown and Callum McGregor in there. Where, where are all the good players? It's a combination for me, Stephen, of the formation that we've been hamstrung with and forced to play. I would maybe question that now because we had an interview with Sean Maloney some time ago and we were talking to him about how he sees himself as a manager with the youth players that, at Celtic that he was coaching at the time. And one of the questions we put to him was, he can't say he can't sign anyone. He just gets given this fresh herd of young faces, and he has to cobble a team out of it. And he says, "Well, that's what a formation is. You find a formation that fits the players that you've got at your disposal." Yeah. And this diamond has been tired. It's not really been working for very long. And I would look at that and go, maybe would we have been better just reverting back to the four two three one with Ryan Christie in the James Forrest position? Is that I maybe don't know what? About that. Well, we might not know about that. But what I'm saying is. The Brown on Kent thing, the space Arebo was getting, Nathan Patterson having that whole wing. All, our formation yesterday against Rangers seemed to be perfectly suited for the way Rangers wanted to play against us. Yeah, and see when we look at it, if Celtic had went in the 4 2 3 1, because they easily could, easily could have switched to that. But the reason I think they're sort of playing this right now is out of necessity, but also they've got Scott Brown in there. You cannot play him in a two-man midfield against Rangers when they're going to have Kent and Arebo, which they did come inside alongside the three centre midfielders. Rangers are just better. They're just well prepared. It didn't matter what Celtic were going to do yesterday because Rangers would have changed it up and suited them, suited their own tactics around it. Celtic were hamstrung. All they can do is play this diamond formation because that's all they've got. They don't even have players on the bench to change the system up because there's nothing there. Rangers could have brought on Roof, they could have brought on Hadji and changed things up if things weren't going well. Celtic simply don't have the options and I think they had to play the diamond because they've got a 36-year-old in midfield with no legs around them unless it's Callum McGregor. So I don't think it would have mattered what Celtic done if they went to 4-2-3-1. Rangers still would have beat us. And I know you're saying, yes, Rangers were getting space out wide, but that's Celtic's fault as well, isn't it? We don't have the players to do anything about it. It's pathetic. See on the, the Scott Brown thing where we're talking about the midfield, I'm now 
so fed up with this, uh, so fed up with this season. I can't wait until Scott Brown is just no longer a consideration. So we're no longer try to pick the team based on what's what's good for Scott Brown because it's just ridiculous now. We've had this like sort of legends tour going on this season where he played far too much at the start of the season and Neil Lennon was forced to come out and explain why he was doing that because, you know, he's the fittest guy at the club, blah, blah, blah. He played far too much to the detriment of Soros development. He came in and looked quite good and now he's disappeared again. We had to play him in the, the cup final because, you know, we need to get him his final trophy or we need, we need to get Neil Lennon his treble. We need to do this. We, we need to do right by these legends We've done it again. We've, we we need to do right. This is Scott Brown's on the way out, so we need to play him. We need to get him his final trophy, and it's just, it's just ludicrous now. The do guys. You think that's why it is, mate. Or do you think they're just looking at the squad? It's this world hamstrung again. Like who who else are you going to play? I mean, mm-hmm. Soro had a couple of good games, but we all admit he's yeah. Well, would Soro I, have done any better? Really? Nah. Well, maybe not. But we should have done something about it before now, rather than just saying, "Well, exactly. it's Scott Brown's last season." Because it's Scott Brown in this game, right? <laughs> People were saying he was the man of the match in the last derby. I'm like, right, I was, maybe. But he was man of the match in a game that petered out to nothing. It was a nothing draw between the two clubs, one of which were perfectly happy to take the draw. The other one, being Celtic, are too much mm. of a shite bag to actually go and do anything about it. Go and actually grab the game and try and win it for a change. Rangers were perfectly happy with that draw. So Scott Brown was a man of the match in a game that went absolutely nowhere. But in this game... His passing's fine. His passing's absolutely fine. So people are then led to say, well, I played really well. But the reason he's there is to try and provide a bit of defensive stability, a bit of defensive protection, and he can't do that anymore. He's no. he's simply not doing that. It, it drops so deep that it, it's unbelievable. He ends up like the last line. He was the, the guy who played Davis onside in that goal. I'm not blaming him for the goal per se, but he was the deepest guy again. And when he actually does get near anyone, he's completely skinned. The amount of times Ryan Kent just turned away from him and burst away and he was nowhere near him. It was unbelievable. It, it is ridiculous at this point that we're still playing Scott Brown. It, it, the idea that he is worth keeping around for next season, I know it's not happening anyway, but people are still talking about, oh, I would have kept him because he's still got this. He's, I'd actually be very surprised if it works out all that well for him at Aberdeen in a playing sense. I can see it going the way that, remember, Kenny Miller was the manager of Livingston for a bit, mm. kept playing himself, and he, he couldn't really do both jobs, so he ended up just chucking both and ended up in Australia. I can't see him doing particularly well for Aberdeen. It, it might be all right at first, but in a playing sense, he is desperately over the hill. He's, he's done, and that's no shame. He's, he's, as I say, he's about to turn 36, um, not so long from now. I, I'm just, I'm tired of this season having been a, uh, let's do what's right for the Legends tour that, uh, and no sensible decisions have been made about it. Scott Brown is no good enough to play. He's had all these opportunities to have his like final hurrah and they're all gone now so stop playing him. He had a big hand in the second goal for me as well, having watched it again. Something we spoke about in the live preview shows, don't give up goals for set pieces, don't give away easy goals and both goals were easy, both goals were completely preventable. The second goal is just simply Rangers get a free kick uh, throw in on the right hand side the ball's thrown to a reboy, controls it, he's got wax out behind him. Scott Brown leaves his position to go and try and get the ball and it gets flicked through his legs. Scott Arfield then goes right into the space and takes the ball on and it goes down the left-hand side and that's uh, down our left-hand side and that's where it comes from again. Even when he's trying to play in this position, 
he's making the wrong decisions. He's too eager to dive in there and try and, I'm, I'm Scott Brown, I'll go and win that ball. And the guy just flicked it through him. Space is there for our field and that's us on the back foot again. And we concede another stupid goal. That go, the, When the ball comes in from Aribo, pathetic from Laxell, not even a pathetic attempt at a tackle. Ball goes across and Kent again gets across John Joe Kenny. He's no good in attack, Kenny, and he's cost us four goals defensively. Sorry, he's cost us three goals against Rangers defensively in these the two games. He's played utterly shambolic from him and the whole again, a throw in, a flick through, and they're right on us, right in at our defence. It's cut open so easily. Scott Brown and Stephen Davis both had ten defensive duels attempted in the game uh, Davis won 9 Scott Brown only won 6 see just to be absolutely clear about what I'm saying about Scott Brown I'm not I'm not saying I'm looking forward to him being out of the club I'm not chasing him I, I'd still do accept that he's an absolute bona fide like gold plated legend but what I'm saying is I don't want them to be a consideration for selection anymore and I know he won't be that decision has been made but I'm, what I'm saying is I'm just looking forward to it no longer being a thing yeah. the, the influence he has over the club in terms of his, his leadership and all that and four players is positive, but his influence over the club in terms of where he sits as a player is no longer outweighing what he actually turns in in terms of a playing performance. And is I'm that just word again, I'm looking, recruitment. It's yeah, we have, ah, yeah. We've no, we have known Scott Brown. We have known this point is coming in Scott Brown's career for five years. And we have spent next to nothing trying to replace him. Next to nothing. And we just again we find ourselves we absolutely no options. It's I think this people say you know oh, that that game was indicative of Celtic season because you know we created chances didn't score them and we conceded chances and they were in too easily. It's not just indicative of Celtic season on the part though; it's indicative of Celtic season off the part. We are in now to week seven of Celtic not having a manager. Nearly two months. It's not good enough. It's not. It's just simply not good enough. I don't care. You know, I had this discussion with the guys in the Discord. And they're like, well, no, I would rather wait for the right appointment. And no manager wants to come in during this mess. I don't care if the manager's in the dugout or no, but we need to have somebody agreed to be Celtic first team manager because I think we've got 13 weeks until our first European qualifiers. So it's just about it's just about three months, right? If we wait to the end of the season to make a managerial appointment, you're writing off one month. That gives you two months. For, and you, you'd absolutely want your manager involved in player recruitment. You want him knowing what players he wants and what players he might want to keep if there's any and what, form, what style of player he wants and who's going to... All that work... All that work, signing players for the new manager can only begin when the manager's in situ. It can only, so I don't care if he's in the dugout taking games. I don't care if it's John Kennedy until the end of the season. But we need to get a guy involved here and we need some guidance on where this, this club is going. It's no panic merchant stuff. It's going back to the people think like, oh, well, it's Celtic, so it's okay and it'll work out fine. It's a massive job. Dominic Mackay left post early to come in and this is his first day at, at work. Rangers appointed Steven Gerrard about this time of the season and he was involved in the in, but didn't they start until the new season I, I'm getting pretty pissed off to be honest with you that this 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 is taking so long everyone's thinking right it's fine because Eddie Howe's agreed says who? No, says who's Eddie Howe's agreed if he's not signed it and he's not agreed he could be unveiled as Newcastle manager next week for all we know well see that game yesterday that game yesterday has changed a lot for me because previously I was quite content to just sit and wait and see what happens because we still had something to play for we still had the possibility of getting a trophy an unlikely trophy in this absolute desert of a season so I, I was I was perfectly happy to you know just sit and wait it out but after that game yesterday 
And normally I see in the recent past when Celtic have gone out of a tournament, when something comes to an end, when the unbeaten run came to an end under Rodgers and we finally lost a cup game, we tend to go in a kind of reflective mood and look back on it for a kind of chapter closed and kind of celebrate it. But now they can absolutely ram that this time because mm-hmm. for for the last time this season, we've gone out of our tournament at almost the first available opportunity. So yeah. that's both cups we've gone out of within the first couple of rounds, going out of Europe after a couple of qualifiers against Minnows and then went out, failed to qualify for the Champions League, made an absolute arse of the Europa League in total. And the league was over towards the end of the year 2020. Never yeah, mind just, in the last few weeks. Sorry to jump in there, but you've just reminded me of a point I forgot to make because the board have known, the board have known that Neil Lennon wasn't going to be Celtic manager next season by about Christmas time, right? Yeah. And even if they didn't know it, they could have made the decision that Neil Lennon wasn't going to be Celtic manager next season at any point this season. So the, the hunt for the new... They could have said to Neil, all right, Neil, we're going to give you the end of the season to see out, but we want to take the club in a different direction in the summer. And do you know what? That's exactly what was happening anyway. At that point, they could have began the recruitment for Neil Lennon's replacement manager. And let me yeah. present an alternative scenario to you, Stephen. They start that. Neil Lennon's decline r- rapidly accelerates. Oh, well, we've got three guys here. We'll just accelerate that process. Celtic could have won the Scottish Cup or could have beaten Rangers yesterday with a new manager in situ. It's not impossible. Yeah. People just think this scenario can't possibly happen. It happens all the time in football. All yeah, the time. Absolutely. And where, where I was going with that, where I was talking about going on all these competitions, is that having gone out of that now, having gone out of the last possible competition of the season, now my attitude is very much, we'll get on with it. You better, you better be doing something now. So I, my patience has, learned, has run very, very thin with any progress being made on this. You, you make a good point about the... You know, how things could have been changed. We've had that discussion so many times that I'm not going to go back into it about how mm. if we'd changed things earlier, then things would have been altogether different. But what happened when Neil Lennon was was starting to wobble majorly was that Frank Lampard lost his job around about the same time. And the parallels there were very, very obvious. Club legend midfielders who, who, who seemed barely qualified for the jobs, right? And it was all happening around about the same time. So they got rid of Lampard and brought someone else in. Look at them now. They are, they've gone from, what, ninth to fifth in the Premier League and they're now in the semi-finals of the Champions League just by getting a better manager yeah. in. That's as easy as it was. It's too late for all that now. But what I'm saying is all this, this snowball has just rolled downhill to the point where it's reached me and I'm just like, do something about it now. Because do you know, I'm, I'm, do you know I'm what we're at right now? I'm telling you right now, we're at, we are at f- the flapping stage with Celtic I don't know what's going on behind the scenes I don't know if anything's going behind the scenes but we need a new football department a new manager and a new squad and we need it uh, in three months for the for the qualifiers beginning so one of those elements you know just the new squad alone is a difficult thing to do in the summer transfer window uh, with all the uncertainty we know how difficult it is to sign players in the early window we have, have that discussion all the time so I, I, I just think we're at the, the the Celtic board really need to start showing us something here the season ticket renewals are coming up soon as well. Just bite the bullet and issue the season tickets. Don't try and pause and hold off because you think a manager's coming in and all that. Just, it's, it, I'm honestly a bit pissed off with it, O'Malley. Well, more than a bit, you can probably tell. Yeah, after yesterday's results, as Stephen said, your sort of last bit of patience does start to be a thin. And if we don't get any announcements within the next week or two, it's going to ramp up significantly. And do you know what? The board deserve that. We asked them months and months ago for change and they just plain refused. Treated us like idiots and... 
look, look at it now. Who's the idiots now? We told you you were wrong and you just refused to budge. And it cost us the season. It cost us the league. It cost us the Scottish Cup ultimately as well. It was going to, by the time they even contemplated getting rid of Lennon, it was too late. It was too late. No decent manager is going to come in at that point. So they now need to go out and just do something spectacular because Celtic are going to struggle now. But when you're talking about recruitment, it is going to be very difficult we are going to need to bring in a lot of players, but not all players are going to leave straight away. So there is Ayer Edward, all that, etc. There's been qualifiers in the past that all these kind of guys have played in. It doesn't mean that we start the qualifiers and everybody's left. These guys still need to go. It's going to be a long summer, so I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't take till the end of August when the window shuts that there'll still be some players about because it's very rare that all your players go in the first couple of weeks. I know. Can't wait to see the effort they're turning in at that point. Yeah, I know. Right, let's pick this. Let's predict the start of living for our first European qualifier. So it's Scott Bain and goal, Bitton and Stephen Welsh as centre halves, Anthony Ralston at right back, Greg Taylor at left back, Soro in midfield, or we might have bowling goalie back then. So it'll be Soro in midfield with. Help me Jack out here. Henry. Jack Henry playing the Gary Caldwell in midfield. McGregor role, and Turnbull and Soro in midfield. McGregor, Forest, Turnbull, Soro, midfield. Forrest, Mikey Johnson. Yep. And Bio. Up front, uh, Lee Griffiths or Bio will be back. So there's your, <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. your starting 11. Did you hear Gordon Strachan on them? Um, did you hear Gordon Strachan on the Premier Sports? <laughs> yeah. Uh, at that point, we are kind of preparing for what's happening. So we are doing a reaction to it, right? Mm. So there's there's stuff happening. I was aware of Gordon Strachan talking for a long time with John Hartson and was it David Weir and Derek McInnes? Yes. Every time I looked over to it, it seemed to still be going on. I don't know if it was, you know, just Sky have been criticised for cutting their coverage too early after games and it's only like five minutes and then they just move on to some English game. I think Premier Sports are probably pushing it slightly too far as well. It seemed like about 45 minutes of them talking after it. Gordon Strachan with a very strong, vehement defence of everything that's grown at Celtic, um, pointing out that these players don't become bad overnight, they're not losers, they're not useless and all that sort of stuff. And, and whilst I appreciate Gordon Strachan's point, um, it, it struck me as quite an odd rant, quite an odd, very mm. strong, odd public defence of Celtic. Um, sort of made more sense when I heard a rumour that he was in talks for a role at Celtic. Um, so I don't know if that was his public pitch for it, mm. but you know, he could be coming in and doing something for us. And on that bombshell of a rumour, we shall we shall wrap up. Four more games left of the season. Next up is Aberdeen. I kind of just want this season over and done with. Lots. It's going to be a busy couple of weeks, hopefully, at Celtic. Lots going on over at Patreon. The Project Rebuild is a series of feature podcasts that we're doing with industry experts. We had Dan Parnell, who is Chief Executive of the Association of Sporting Directors. If you want to know anything at all, or everything at all about sporting directors. That is a really interesting podcast. That guy knows his stuff. He also is head of football research at Dundee United. He fills us in on everything to do with sporting directors, the type of person you need in that role, the challenges in that role, what that role looks like, how to affect change, whether a sporting director can come in after a manager, one of the big questions that we've been speaking about, or does that happen to happen before? So you can check all that out at patreon.com slash 20minutetims. Stephen, would you like to send us out on a good note? Why don't we give away two badges? Oh, regular, yeah, oh. regular listeners will know if you leave us a five-star review on iTunes or Podcast Addict, we will pick you out of a hat and we choose a favourite review and we'll send you a solid gold, not solid gold, 20-minute Tim's badge. We do this every week. We just don't say it on the podcast every week, yeah. but we're going to end on a positive note. Stephen. Well, I thought I'd read this one out from Pat Coyle just to send us out on a more positive note, mm. just because I think we need it. Pat Coyle had this to say about the podcast. Five stars. 
Hilarious, insightful and informative, like sitting down the boozer with your mates talking all things Celtic, three mad fans who clearly love the hoops as much as I do, essential listen for every true Celtic fan. So that is very, very nice. That has cheered me up something. Brilliant. Yeah, thanks very much for that, Pat. So you win a gold badge for that one. We'll send you a gold badge, Steve. Would you like to say goodbye? Yes, goodbye. Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. Thank you for listening. even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.